Blog Talk Radio. And when you merge, just hit that nose. Can you hear it? Oh, yeah, it should be on. I can't even hear it. What the heck? Can you hear it? No. Are you playing Nas? Yes, I'm playing that now. And I'm on, but I can't hear nothing. Well, they need to be able to hear the situation. You want to hit me back? Yeah. I don't want all of this in the recording. One time. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one I duck. Could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst. A fiend drops a Heineken. Ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out. I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rat to the death of it. To everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown. Hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the stars, sun, and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick of kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die. Chairman, National Chairman Yang Nkrumah for the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Coming to you again on Tuesday. Like I say, man, it's always an honor to be coming to the audience, to be coming to the people. And this is an opportunity for you to express your views, comments, and concerns. This is your program, brothers and sisters. Before, like always, though, man, let's take a time, a moment of quiet reflection. My brothers and sisters have lost lives in this uh, one of the worst, they say, the worst natural disaster that has hit American um, soil, United States soil, which is Hurricane Harvey. For the brothers and sisters in Houston um, that are going through our prayers out to them, and in a moment of silence to the brothers and sisters who have made it. Always to the people, man. The um, program today. You always blaming the white man. You always blaming the white man. And what brought about this program was having a conversation, man. I'm fortunate enough to be up in Cleveland. I'm sitting in the living room with Chairman Kaha, you know, recovering from um, his surgery and everything like that. So we're sitting up here doing the program. And it's good to be up here to see the comrades and to be um, with the chairman again and getting that wisdom. But in a conversation with another individual up here, we begin to discuss Black America 
the African, the conditions of Africans here in America. And like always, when talking to people who have a certain mindset or mind frame, the end phrase came, you always blaming the white man. You always blaming the white man. So I had to realistically, realistically think about it. Do I always, or do brothers and sisters who share my ideology, my philosophy, my opinions, and my concern for condition of black people here in America or African people here in America, do we have a tendency? Are we prone to blame white people for the misery and suffrage uh, um, inflicted upon or visited upon? You dare say if I say inflicted, or that the misery and suffrage that black people here in America live in. And if we ask my opinion, I'm going to say absolutely yes to a degree. You know, I think it's what we call, I, I think that the word blame has taken such a bad connotation that it's starting to mean um, something different in our hearts and minds, that they're meaning taking blame as an excuse or thinking that we're using it as an excuse to be professional victims, to say that we're still in a condition or we're still at a place that we were 50 and 60 years ago, and I'm not saying that, but I am not, but I am saying that I'm not fooled or disillusioned by the so-called appearance of progress for African people in America. That we go back to the very beginning, the very founding, the inception of America and what it was founded on. You know, when we go back there, you ask, can we blame um, white people for our condition? Let's go, let's take it all the way back to there, to the mafia, to the Atlantic slave trade, which you always hear me speaking about. One of the worst atrocities visited upon any human people in the history of civilization. You will never find an atrocity as horrendous as what was visited upon people of African descent and especially here in the United States, never. Because it wasn't so much just the physical torture, the physical savagery, all that we had went through as a people, all we were forced to endure, you know, the intimidation, the murder, the death, rape, kidnap, you name it, but also the psychological trauma, the psychological warfare that was visited upon African people, the whole fact that you and I as a people were completely and totally separated and disconnected disconnected to anything that remotely might identify with us being from a mighty people, that anything that connected us before the phase of nicodom, before they started niggerizing the African man and woman over to a, over here in America, that in itself is a crime. That itself is a crime. So when we ask, when they say, well, you know, you as black people, as individuals, have the right to make choices. This is what you've been given. This is a gift to mankind from God. However, the phrase that they say, that no one forces you to make the decisions that you make. And therefore, you have to suffer from the consequences. Again, even with that, I would agree to an extent. But if I have the freedom to make choices, and I'm only presented with certain choices, if there's an A, B, C option, but I'm only presented with A and B. I've only been given the tools, the instruments. I've only been trained. I've only been taught to look at things from an A, B perspective, from somebody else's lenses, from somebody else's perspective, somebody else's outtake on life and the position they feel like that I'm supposed to play in this so-called society, and I make one of those choices, and you knowing 
or this system knowing the inevitable end of the choice that I make, then I really didn't have my, my free choice or my so-called free will was limited in the beginning. So when we see African people or black people, these young brothers and sisters, acting in complete savagery and barbarity, I'm not excusing that behavior, but I am saying that I know that that behavior, that there has been an element that the society and the climate and the culture has been shifted and made in such a way that these young men and women um, feel like feel like that they have to begin to behave like this. You know, they're looking at they're looking at what's they're, they're going by those options that they were giving. You know. And this is what we have to, and this is one of the things that we have to understand. Now, does it excuse the behavior? It's not about excusing behavior, but it's about recognizing, being able to properly analyze the behavior to come up with some type of realistic solution. And us analyzing these behaviors, us watching these behaviors, understanding that a people in their natural mindset, in their rightly thinking mind, wouldn't behave as such. So what has caused the people to think or behave as they do but being forced to become unnatural? We've been forced to become unnatural. Our disconnect from our place of origin, our disconnect from our history, our disconnect from our moral ways and our traditions and our holidays and celebrations, our disconnect from that and being replaced with Eurocentric ways, with white um, nationalists, with European um, ways and manners being the predominant thought and the predominant behavior, behavior pattern, the standard of emulation. That's what it was placed in front of us for. It was to be our standard. And if we were to be accepted in society or be looked at as sane and normal, we would behave like that. But that is unnatural. A lot of the ways that they do, a lot of the things that other people do is unnatural for the black man and woman. And it's okay. It's completely okay to say that that behavior is unnatural for the black man and the black woman. Even if we find other people emulating Eurocentric behavior, even if you find them emulating Eurocentric behavior, the the customs and traditions of their natural way is reinforced at home. When they go back amongst their people, they practice their social norms, and behavior. This is what we have to understand. Let's go to our phone lines. Our phone lines are lighting up early. Let's go to um Father, and I tell you what, Minister Justice, because I am traveling. The sisters are is running my boards. I thank you so much for that. If you have to say that we have a call, it's fine. You you part of the family, man. We jump in, chime in with the conversation. But area code five seven zero two three one. I believe I'm saying it right. Saying it right. Black Power, 570-231. Black Power, your mic is open. Black Power, this is a teaching. I stated that the first time. Um, I think y'all couldn't um, hear me when I was speaking. Um, Nas wasn't playing originally, but I, I did state that. Black Power, this is a teaching. Black Power. That's, what's good, Sister PT? Everything's all right. Still breathing. Can't complain. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excellent. 
All right. Did you have a question or a comment or anything? Anything you wanted to share? Um. Uh. So far, not yet. Okay. When you do arise, I will not. All right. Well, we. Okay, and we'll give you an opportunity to to chime in. Black Power mm-hmm. Queen. Black Power Queen. Black Power. So. These are these are some of the things. These are realistic issues, and I think that what has happened, it's not so much blaming of a white man. It's not so much blaming the white man, but what it is is putting everything in a realistic historical perspective. You can't forget what happened to you. How many times on the radio program have I pointed, have I um, said point number five of the ten point platform and program of the People's Black Panther Party self determination? That we want the true history that teaches the races and decadent nature that this society belongs in the black woman, man and, play, man and woman's role in this society. It is the only way for our young youth. Listen, this is what we do at the LY, and one of the programs I am so proud of, and I'll be speaking on a little bit about that um, in a little bit towards the end of the show for those people, those brothers and sisters in Jersey that want to help out and physically help out um, with or with support stuff. We'll be talking about that later. But one of the, the things that I'm extremely proud of at the uh, Liberating Young Minds program, the LYM program that is, is, is being ran in Jersey, is the fact that we are getting and being able to cultivate young minds. And being able to cultivate young minds, what's important to cultivate these young minds is for them to be able to see themselves in a historical perspective or from a historical perspective not from a subjugated perspective, not from that you came as a slave, you were a slave, that you're regulated. Sam, and you're breaking up. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, but you're a little shady. Black power. Okay, black power. I'm sorry about that because the reception. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, but it's still a little fine-tuning, so keep going. Black Power. Okay, Black Power. So we'll go, you know, we'll go until we can't go. To our young men and women, to our... We can't hear you at all, Brother Chairman. Yeah, we having some real technical difficulties. Usually when you have a really good show... Um, from what I understand from other people that have shows, there are always um, there are always problems when it comes to being able to um, uh, um, tech, technically. There's problems. Sometimes you can't get on your own show, um, but right now it just seems like um, we can't hear the chairman. So I'm going to um, I'm going to give y'all a little bit of music, and I'm going to uh, redo these logistics. And Black Power, just hang in there. We'll be right back. Black Power. Yo. 
Well, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence. Who I'm gon' body this hood politics, acknowledging. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee, I duck, could it be? My time is up, with my luck, I got up. The cops shot again, bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rat. I step a bit to everybody, come on, little niggas is grown. Brother Sherman, are you there? Brother Sherman, are you there? I'm here, can you hear me? Black Power, yes. Black Power. I apologize for the technical difficulties. Am I still company clear? Black Power, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. You can hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Excellent. So we were talking about the LIM program, talking about our Liberating Young Minds program, and one of the benefits to the young people is to be able to establish that sense of identity in them, that sense of self-worth. If we don't understand the historical perspective in which black people were brought over here, we will always rely on expectations and expectations for the roles and the contributions that we give to society. This is why, so they ask, do I blame the white man? Yes. Now, do I expect the white man to change the conditions in which he has so intentionally and willfully participated in creating for Africans in America? No. No. Because it wouldn't be advantageous, it wouldn't be beneficial to his lifestyle. If we change our way of behaving, if we change our spending patterns, if we change the way that we treated one another, it would not be beneficial for his lifestyle because his lifestyle was built on murder, robbery, theft. It was built on the most irrehensible and, and sickening uh, diseases that plague humanity. And so this is what he's banking on that will still plague our communities so that he can capitalize off of that. So there is a blame. For those of us that have been so disillusioned into believing that we have freedom and we have equal rights and to participate and do anything we want, it is simply that. It is simply an illusion. The black people, the African people here in America are being intentionally targeted. We are intentionally being hindered and obstructed from evolving as a natural people to fully reach our greatness without um, uh without outside influences and persuasion, intimidation, and outright, in a lot of instances, terrorism perpetrated against the African people here. So the only way to really advance ourselves is to begin to recognize who and what the true enemy is. Now, do they say, the white man, oh, you saying the white man, the white man. I've said time and time before you've heard me say again that I am not talking about any individual Caucasian. Most times. 
If I do, I will name them, <laughs> believe me. But I'm not talking about individual Caucasians. I'm talking about a system that has been in place that will, for the most part, like in the Willie Lynch letter it talks about, if practiced right, will ensure the perpetual servitude, enslavement of an African people, even when you remove them or release those people from physical slavery. They will still have been conditioned to such a degree that they will serve a purpose. And this is why we put things in a perspective, the historical perspective of white and black. We're saying that we must evolve from just looking at the individual, but look at the system that backs an individual. We look at the system that ensures an individual an opportunity to a healthy, prosperous life. That's what we're talking about, and we're saying that we don't have a problem with a system that ensures that for individuals, as long as that system ensures that for all of humanity, without discrimination, without the direct practices of hindering a people from enjoying the same natural freedoms. But you and I have been made unnatural creatures by intention. So it's not so much blaming the white man, but it's looking at a system that was founded and put in place and constructed and enforced by white people for white uh, empowerment, entitlement, and white privilege. And I'd be a fool to sit up here and lie to you and to say that it was something other than that. But a crime perpetrated against African people in America is so deep that it's really, it's unmentionable. I couldn't get the words to convey the horrors that were visited upon our ancestors and our predecessors during the development and cultivation of this so-called country. There's not words that would express such agony and misery, such suffrage. They're not the words. They pale. They fall short. So but when at least in the very attempt to convey that so that our babies will know that the history they came from is a history steeped in blood, but a blood that was shed for and spilled for the advancement of African people, that it was not a blood in vain. That is paying homage and commemorating our ancestors that preceded us. And it should also serve as inspiration for our annual motivation for the empowerment of us as a people. I find it hard to phantom what type of people, like they say, I, I believe it was in the writings of John Henry, that the African people couldn't phantom a, a group of individuals, a group of people that they would invite to dinner. And once they, you invite them to dinner, they kill the host and the cook. You can't phantom, we couldn't phantom the savagery. We couldn't phantom the horrors they would visit upon us as African people. And now we get this Negro amnesia. We get so comfortable in our little so-called creature comfort, in our little televisions, our, our so-called material possessions. We think we've arrived, we think we've made it, and we become a very forgiving, a very tolerant, and a very forgetful people. You'll find you and I some of the only people that will go to extreme measures so that 
other nationalities and ethnicities don't feel intimidated by us. We show them that we're not full of hate. We're not full of rage. We're full of love, but even a love that is sickening because we will love you. We will love you so much, even if it's at the detriment of our own people. We will love you before we love our own. We've been taught that it is a disease, it is wrong, it is hatred, it's a misguidance, it's a misunderstanding to love your own. And this is the perpetual downfall of the African people over here, that we have not embraced an identity, and it doesn't have to be an identity. Listen, I know we can get into the semantics. We can have the Muslims say I'm Muslim, the Christians say I'm Christian, the Moors say what they are, so on and so forth, but an identity based on a common and shared experience, and that experience being the horrors of the Maafa, the, trans- the transatlantic slave trade, the mid-trans slave trade, the horrors of what came after that, slavery on the shores of North America, and the everything that fell after that, from Jim Crowism, sharecropping, separation, segregation, lynchings, murders, rapes, Intimidation, terror, land robbery, the list goes on and on. The list goes on and on. So these crimes, once you understand that these crimes have been perpetrated to people, and once you understand shock and understand true terrorism and how that can be passed down through DNA, how we pass that to our children, how we teach our children to be fearful, they're two Americas. A white America and a black America. You teach your children that when they step out there, they can be killed at any time. What type of life is this for a child? Do you think white America teaches their children to fear from their life, fear for the police, fear from other black people, fear, fear, fear? And you think that that's something that we've perpetrated, that we've adopted and adapted in our own community, that we begin to terrorize, to instill fear in our own communities, you think that that was natural, that that evolved out of us naturally? That is a learned behavior. That is a behavior that has been taught to us and has been learned by us, and like anything we learn, we begin to master it. But we master it to a degree where the person who taught it to us is like a dog. You teach your dog to attack, you teach your dog all kind of tricks, and the dog will perform it, but you always teach your dog never bite the hand to feed you. So we've learned these tricks and we've learned these antics. We've learned these tactics. We've learned this buffoonery and the hustle ability and the robbing and the conning and the tricking and the playing games of African people from other people. But we've also learned never to bite the hand that feeds us while we will cater to this white man and this white woman. We will forgive this white man and this white woman. We will forgive America. Fourth of July, we will wave our flags and light our fireworks and have our barbecue. Never really wants to stop to think about the ancestors that died in the establishment of this country. You don't think about your ancestors. You're too busy eating the barbecue with your fireworks. Not thinking about the blood that was shed, the tears that was cried, the prayers that were screamed out and yelled out to heaven's gates for the deliverance of African people here in America. We don't take the time to be reflective of that. And it's not, and brothers and sisters, and I'm going to tell you, and there again, I'm not making excuses, but I will tell you why, because you haven't been trained to do that. So you have to be trained. You haven't been trained to do that. And the fact that you haven't been trained to do that, you've been so well indoctrinated, you've been so 
thoroughly trained that when black men and black women like myself come along and teach about a strong black nationalist ideology, when we begin to teach strong black empowerment, when we begin to teach black worth and standing up for yourself as a black people, it sounds foreign to you. You almost get into, you get in this mode, you're like a robot that's been programmed. You get in this mode where you feel you have to defend the white man and to defend the American system, which has been good to you. And my uncle was in the Army and all of this type of stuff, and he still, at the end of the day, your uncle will come home, or anybody that has participated in this system will come and tell you, at the end of the day, I'm still a nigger. I'm a nigger. Because a nigger is a class. A nigger is a category that you and I have been placed in, and the only way to get out of this nigger category is for you and I to take ourselves out of the nigger category. That white man and those other ethnicities that make money off of you, off your ignorance, and off of your lack of accountable spending, those people whom you spend with unconditionally, it doesn't matter if they treat your neighborhood good or not. You go in there and give them your dollar, haven't thought about that hard-earned dollar, and they take it out of your community theirs. They want to keep you a nigger. So the only way to evolve from niggerism, the only way to come up out of that cesspool, the nigger, uh, nigger state of mind, a nigger mentality, is for us to come together and to elevate as a people. Nobody will elevate you from that level. I don't care what you possess materially. I don't care what house you live in. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. I don't care what school your children go to. You will always be and forever to white America. He might be a useful nigger. He might be a house nigger. He might be a paid nigger, Uncle Tom nigger. They're all different type of niggers. But at the end of that, you will always wear the surname nigger. Until you and I become a power. They talked about the Chinese man like that. They used to be a saying. They used to say, you don't stand a Chinaman's chance in hell. That's what they used to say. They laughed at the Chinese, and the Chinese waged a revolution and a successful revolution. No, it wasn't without its turmoil. It wasn't without its struggle. It wasn't without its ups and its downs, its bleak moments when they looked like that they were, might completely lose it. But during going through all of that, being patient and persevering, they made it through all of that. The Chinese people unified. Now Chinese is a nation to be contended with. Any people and all people of right understanding in their right mind, dealing with all their right faculties, understand that nationalism, that unification, that communalism, that working together is the order of the day. Is the order of the day. So when you're combating this, when a people have to be told this, when the people have to be told how to behave, when the people have to be reminded that they're African people, when the people have to be reminded that it's only you and I that we can rely upon, then the sickness, then the crime has taken place amongst those very people. Those are people suffering from cultural amnesia, from an identity crisis. Those are people that have went through some type of trauma. So when you realize that these are people that have went through this and experienced this and been exposed to that, then you must find out where it's come from. And if it didn't come from the goddamn white man, then I don't know where it came from. So ask me again why I'm always blaming the white man. His history bears witness to it. His history bears witness to the atrocities. Am I telling you to hate this white man? I'm not telling you to hate the white man. I'm not even telling you to invest that type of energy, that type of focus, nor that type of thought into hating any human being, any individual, and even 
that white man. I'm asking you to take that so-called hate that's deep down in your guts. That's an understandable hate. It's not a hate I'm not going to sit here and berate you or belittle you for having a very natural emotion, a very natural feeling to unnatural conditions. Your very nature is telling you that something is not quite right in my living condition. Something is not quite right in my neighborhood, in the behavior of my neighbors and how my children act. There's something quite not right about that. So you have to hate those those abnormalities. We should hate them. They don't make sense. So I'm not telling you not to hate it, but what I'm asking you is to go down and to tap into that hate and begin to chip away at that hate and take pieces of that hate and invest it in the love of African people, in the forgiveness of African people, in the acceptance of our own, and wanting to see our own rise up above the conditions that we have been placed in and are expected to stay in. This is the type of African understanding that's needed amongst the people. This is the type of thing when they ask me why I blame the white man, I blame the white man because it serves as a reminder. It's the same way that the Jews say never again. It serves as a reminder to the atrocities visited upon my descendants. I mean, not my, that may be visited upon my descendants, but my predecessors. The atrocities visited upon my ancestors. It's a constant. It's a constant reminder. So for me not to blame them would be me not knocking a big chunk of history, and not just human history, but more importantly, specifically history that directly affects me as a black man here in America. And so when I'm asked what I think some of the root causes of other problems are. What caused black people to be in the condition that we're in? What makes us behave the way that we behave? Why do we act as we act? Why do we see life the way that we see life? Then I'm forced to go all the way back as a social scientist. I'm forced to go back and look at not just the material dialectic, but the historical dialect that went into the sum total of what they call the African here in America, the black man. I'm forced to look at those things, and when I look at those things realistically, when I look at those things objectively, I look at those things from different positions and points to truth, and most importantly, the point of view of someone who has been in and is still searching for a strong identity that addresses the specific needs and issues of Africans in America and will also advance me as a a person in helping the advancement of my people, then I can't deny what was done. And if I can't deny what was done, there's nothing wrong with me for saying this is what happened to us as African people. I don't want to hear that. Oh, that was so long ago. Really? Do you tell the abuse victim, the victim of child abuse, the victim of some of the worst crimes perpetrated against them. When you see them act out, you don't tell them, oh, what your father, what your mother did, what happened to you was so long ago. This is not one of their, this is not one of their techniques in dealing with that. But they expect you and I to have that type of amnesia so deep, such a suppressed memory. They expect for it to be so deep that you don't even feel it 
in your core. You're going to feel it in your sleeping hours. This is why it affects you so greatly. This is the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm your brother, National Chairman, Yang Nkrumah. Just rapping to you. Love to press one. Your phone lines will be open if you have a question, comment, or opinion. We'd love for you to share it with us. Like I said, in my travels, man, I have an opportunity to do the travels, to get around, see what we need to see, and see how we can help to organize the people, galvanize and mobilize our people. Why do you blame the white man? Always blaming the white man. His niggas nowadays, that's one of the more famous cash phrases. We do it to us. We do it to us. I would be a fool to sit here and pretend that we didn't perpetrate some of the most um, absurd and we're we beginning to be barbaric. We're beginning to be just as savage. People taught us savagery. If not surpassing them, if not beating them in their, in their acts of savagery and brutality. So it's not an excuse to excuse our behavior. It is an attempt to look at the conditioning of black people here. It is an attempt to really begin to analyze. And and, and here's the reason that I think that is probably, and it's not trying to go back into sound redundant or be things that we talk about white men, but it is important, like I said earlier in the show, to put everything in a historical context. To put it in a historical context, they keep us so busy running around, so busy addressing all the new drama they throw because they constantly engaged and fighting for our justice and demanding our rights right now, which is necessary. So I'm not saying start a historical class, but if we don't have a proper historical context, then we can't have a sound strategy to fight off, to mount a defense, let alone an offensive. Why? Because their tactics, the way that they attack us, will all be for and address a certain political and and uh, political philosophy and ethnic ideology. And our ideology of empowering for them, staying in power, maintaining power and control. And their attacks are going to their attacks towards us are going to be geared and based around that. We like to think that if something happens, these black folk, we're going to lose our life. We're going to lose life. Their life, our lives do matter. Black lives matter. Absolutely. It matters to them. Brother Chandler, we have a question on, uh, excuse me, uh, 469-216, Black Power. Black Power. 469-216, your mic is open. Can you hear me? Black yeah, we can love. Okay. All respect to my ancestors and to the elders for giving permission to speak. Uh, I I agree with what you're saying and whole, but I guess I'm a sort of a different kind from the perspective of there's enough blame to go around. First of all, I, I can lay blame on every race and every aspect of our history 
as to how we ended up here and in the condition that we in. And first of all, my name is Eric Fuller. I'm from Dallas, Texas. We had a planter party here. But uh, my thing is this. Irregardless of that, and you're, you're 100% right about the history. I'm a big history buff. You're 100% right about that. But at this day and time, we need to find a way to change the minds of a people because until we do that, we're going to keep arguing these same old Uncle Tom-ass arguments. We're going to keep arguing these same old, old, old things that we, we've been talking about since, since the uh, 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 Reconstruction era. You know what I'm saying? So, so until we change the mind of a people, and unfortunately, that's going to also take changing the mind of some of them as well as us. But forget about them for now. Until we know how to change our mindset, until we know how to read. Uh, Dick Gregory said one of the worst things white folk did to us was teach us that being smart wasn't cool. Back in the day, being smart was cool. If you was a smart black dude, you was everything. But now, all of a sudden, being smart, we have to learn. We have to go back to trying to figure out how to change the mind of a people. We need to recondition. We need to start with a lot of people from zero and take it back up and recondition it because we have been brainwashed. We have been all the things, but we have also been traumatized. We all got PTSD. Whether they want to admit it or not, smart, dumb, tall, big, skinny, famous, rich, poor, we all got some form of PTSD. And there are things that we're going to have to learn to deal with. And until we deal with them head on, we're going to keep having these same idiotic problems and keep repeating the same idiotic things throughout history. And my kids and my grandkids are going to be having this same exact conversation 40 years from now because we yeah. have not succeeded in changing the mind. Yeah. Let me jump in there with you real quick and, and keep his mic open, Justice, because I want the brother to be able to come back. Let me jump in there yes, with sir. you real quick, Brother Eric. And I agree with you on everything you said. And this is the reason for the historical context, one of the one of the things of suffering from PTSD, what we call post-traumatic slave disorder, is that we don't think in the right mind. As an African, listen, I used to be a strong adherer to a very strict doctrine of Islam, and my marriages were failing me. I couldn't keep a wife, and it dawned on me when I began to embrace black nationalism. And who I was as a black man, an African here in America, it dawned on me that I was trying to handle problems, not just from an Islamic perspective, but from a young Arab perspective over 2,000 years ago. Right. See, until we understand historical context of who started implanting these thoughts, we won't be able to check ourselves and be able to say, you know what? My thinking towards that, but the first thing that comes to our mind, we think like white people, I'm going to kill that nigger. That's white thinking. Or other ethnicity thinking. You're not thinking that you belong to that particular race because the first thing in your mind is, I'm going to kill the nigger. But when we understand that this is wrong thinking, that this thinking has been placed in our mind, then we have something to check it against. 
And that's what I'm asking the people. I don't, I'm like you. We've been having this conversation for 50, 60 years. The reason that we revisit it and, and we um, try to begin to draw attention to it is because we're letting black people know your thinking is European, Eurocentric. You're viewing your people from another culture's socially, economically perspective. This is not how black people should. This is not how any people that belong, not just black people, any people that belong to a group of people should look at people. They don't look at them like we look at one another. You know, and this is what we're saying while we say the blame on them. They brought us, when they brought us over here, and I'm going to be brief to let you speak, not only did they enslave us, they begin, when they begin to interbreed with us, they begin to favor light complex of dark complexion. They put a caste system within the black system in itself. Now, we're still suffering from that. Right. Right. You know, so we, my whole thing is to draw attention. In order for us to be a people for self-determination, we must must first realize that we're people and that our religions are just that. We don't have to look at our religions or any other way that we're accepted from those people's cultural, social standpoint. And this is the point that I point When they're over here, when they're Americanized, they're viewing this is what we get them boot licking, handkerchief head, buck dancing, Uncle Tom ass niggas, because they're looking at it from American perspective. They believe if they work hard enough, if they disassociate themselves from other black people, they will be accepted in white America and will rise up its rungs. You know what I'm saying? And be one of those few that made it. And we're letting them know that you, everybody in the world sees you as belonging to a people but yourself. So you have to check yourself, check that thinking. Even us as revolutionaries, I have to do it every day. Sometimes I find myself reverting back to what we call that neo-colonialist thinking, that white, you know, America is a criminal colonialist colony, a criminal settler colony. They were found this. And they implemented in us criminal thinking, wrong thinking, Eurocentric thinking, and it's not natural for the African man or woman. Right. Right, I I, I agree with yeah. you totally, and, and I and, and I think that if first of all I I agree with you a while ago that the, the richer the nigga the freer he think he is. But anyway, I digress. Um, the whole the whole thing, and, and like I said, I'm glad that you're bringing it up because I, I bring it up for a purpose. Also, it, it is is to, because a lot of Negroes don't know that they don't know. And, that, and and even if you take it back to biblical terms, you can't be responsible for that in which you are ignorant of. And we don't know that we are ignorant of it until people like you with this show and bring up things to light and, and, and people actually take the time out to listen. And at least, I mean, if you're going to take the time out to tune in and listen, then at least consider What's being said And eventually You no longer fall into that category Of ignorance Because you have been taught You have been told So now without the reconditioning You will not follow What you know to be true You will continue to be That same Uncle Tom nigga That's right That is so right that is so right, brother. And you hit it on the you hit it on the head. And this is I like what you said. Brothers don't know and don't know that we don't know. And this is the part of that communal aspect. 
that I talk about. And African people have always been a communal people. We've always learned from one another. You know, so when you begin to get out of your natural feeling, when you begin to act naturally, you don't benefit from the things that should come to you naturally. Our sticking together, our sharing and exchanging information and knowledge. We don't benefit from those things because we're too busy. We we have taken integration, not only integration, for spending in white stores, and that's the whole other. So I'm like the brother. I digress on that because I've never understood it. You know how you can get beat to spend your money with other people, but it not only integrated us economically, but it also integrated us morally and ethically. So we begin to take what we held as the standards of success in the black community and begin to use what Euro America, European America, white America said was successful: the cars, the house. Make it so much a year, the dress code, and it's right. totally begin to to erode and disseminate not only the uh, focus of black men and black women, black families, but also the character and the pride and the self worth of the black man and the black woman. It no longer became about the family; it became about what this individual possessed. So we begin to live that lifestyle with no thought to future generations. And we have to understand, and why I try to teach you on this is because I try to let them understand, even though this white man preaches a rugged individualism, a pulling yourself up by the bootstrap, he doesn't, in reality, actually practice that. Because this society, the American society, is a society of white privilege and white entitlement. So at the very least, he will be able to have certain uh, safety nets. Because right. of his white skin, because the system has been geared for that. And the only way to ensure our success, the only way to ensure that we have those safety nets and those things to fall back upon is to return to a natural state, and part of that natural state is communalism, is the reliance and, and interdependence on one another. And that's what we don't practice because we have bit into wholeheartedly the so-called American dream. I always use the example, and, and, and people have heard me use this example. If you see a dog behaving like a cat, purring and chasing mice and trying to climb a tree like a cat, a pit bull, you would say that something is wrong with that dog. There is something wrong, inherently wrong, about African people trying their damnedest to emulate other groups of people. There's something wrong. Love my Muslim brothers and sisters. Grew up, you know, they asked me my core faith, I would probably tell them Islam. But there's something wrong with brothers emulating Arabs from 2,000 years ago. Not knocking right. my Muslims. I don't come after a brother. But there's something highly wrong. Same with my Hebrew brothers and all the rest of these brothers that we're emulating. We're so, we suffer from PTSD so badly. And we want to escape being black so badly that we are willing not just to emulate other people, but even emulate their golden era. We just emulate. If you was emulating the Arab, man, look at this Arab in these stores. I'm up in Cleveland now. These Arabs emulate you and I. And we go back and emulate. We go back and want to emulate their golden era. That era of civilization and advancement, when they learned that from us, but it's all because of that lack and that void in our history. So we fill it with other things. And when we begin, to, when you start to think like that, when you begin to study that and begin to accept that in your soul, then you try to fit those solutions to your problems. 
and your problems are specific for our people of African descent right here in America. When they pull us over, when that police pulls us over, he don't say, Assalamu alaikum, Jesus bless you, shalom, hotep. Any of that, any of those greetings we use, uhuru, any of, he doesn't say anything. He says, nigga, nigga, show me your hands. Nigga, freeze. Nigga, don't move. Nigga, get out the car. Yeah. Nigga, put your hands behind your back. Well, I, so I, once I, we be, Yes, sir. I, I'm going to iterate this or uh, put this in just, just, just for mind talk, just, just for the listeners who, who, who put something on their mind. Check this out. I'm going to say this yes, and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at this and I'm going to let the viewers think about however they want to think of it. Check this out. I got to go because my son is in the tub and I like to read him from my black history stuff every night while he's in the tub and he's sitting there waiting on me. Now, I'm going to leave that right there on. and let the viewers think about that. Right on. Right on. I can I I can appreciate that. Me being a black father myself, man, and missing my boys doing to this travel, I can appreciate that because that's where it starts. That's beginning about the LYM program, the liberating your mind. That's where it starts. Frederick Douglass said it's easier to raise children than to repair broken men. You know, we have Amen. to start to implement this in in our children so that it's not something they have to do like we do it did, go out and learn it. It's something that's natural to them. And they will implement when we talk about revolution, those of us that are fed up, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll have the tendency to and thinking that the revolution will be overnight. You know, so I'm yeah. sorry, brother, was did did were you finished with I might have cut you off in your thoughts. Oh, no, I'm good, brother. I'm going to go in here and pick up a book. And, uh, hey, I love you, brothers, for doing this. I don't mean to clock out on you like this, but I got to go handle this. Man, uh, we we appreciate you tuning in, man. Tune in next Tuesday. Let somebody know because that's what it's about, that feedback, brother. It's about all exactly. of us getting out there and, and putting out them real solutions. Yeah, well, my brother sent it to me. He didn't want to invite me to this show. So he, it came from me, and I'm going to send it to somebody else. Right on. Well, we definitely appreciate you um, cracking in, Brother Ag. We look for you next week, man. We look for you to be, you know, a voice of reason and wisdom, man. Appreciate you taking that time, especially from the club, brother. Give the family the love. Power to everybody. Power to the people. Black power, sir. Uh, I'd like to to interject for a moment, uh, Brother Chairman. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I happen to know individuals that are willfully ignorant. You know, they know about this show. They know what I do. Um, These are individuals who believe that they've made it, and I know who their parents are. And because I know who their parents are, I know they know something about black power. But what I recognize is that they have chosen to, to try to get as far away from black power as they can, but they remain my friends. They remain my friends, and that's the, that's the thing that um, – Myself and another uh, uh, friend, uh, sister, were talking about today. You know how individuals remain your friend, but and 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 ain't real particular about your ideology. And I said, don't think of it like that because they are particular about your ideology, or they would stay away from you. But my point is, they like sponges. You know, like they will soak up what you know and soak up what you think, but they will never be a part of anything that you're doing, sir. And um, you know, I have neighbors like that. 
I have um, I, I know individuals that I grew up that are like that. So it's so it's not a thing where um they that 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 they just ignorant and they don't know that they don't know. They know that they know and they 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 choose to keep themselves separated from it. For our listening audience to weigh in on this, we got quite a few people here that are on the line, and I know they have something to say about what it means for people to always blame the white man. Because you know what? I blame the white man for everything. I blame him for everything. Our condition, I blame him for everything. All the shootings, all the killings, they try to stop the killings. Well, tell the white man to make sure that he give us reparations. Let's see how much killing goes on there. Black power, sir. Black power. And those are some excellent points. You know, one of the things I like to address, though, is, is talking on that point. One of the reasons you find these people fearful of what we're talking about, but they have to stay close. They have to stay close. One of the reasons they have to stay close is because they're black. They're African in America. They cannot escape the experience of being black in America. They can't escape it. I don't care what kind of suit they put on. I don't care how many airs they put on, how proper their grammar is, how much they make a year, or what their profession is, what type of car they drive. They have suffered the black experience of being pulled over and feeling that teenage. You breaking up? They, they, they felt it. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So they felt that pain. They felt that discrimination. So they have to stay close to you. But when you feel that discrimination and that pain and you begin to awaken, certain ancestral spirits and certain ancestral energy, and you begin to awaken that indomitable human spirit, that spirit of human um, can, can, human continuation, can, you know, continuancy. That's a real thing. They say it's called the law of self-preservation. When that begins uh, to awaken in you, can you hear uh, me? Uh, sir, we have another caller who, who, who wants to give their, their opinion or comment. Uh, 619-348, sir. No. All right, six one. Your mic is open. All for the people. Black power. All the people. Hey, uh, actually, I think that the, the, this is uh, the chief of national chief of staff, Brother Robert War. I believe the chairman was actually about to state, get into the same thing I'm going to say when he uh, when he started talking about survival. Because the thing is, is the way I see that is the self preservation kicks in and, and survival is actually a natural process of how people make a decision day in and day out in terms of wanting, wanting to be a part or to be around black power but not be a part of black power. They're smart, they smart enough to realize that, you know, mm. if, if, I get in, if I get involved in this, it's going to create an obligation. And by creating an obligation, that means I'm going I'm to have to do a little external suffering in order to try to make change and, and be held accountable for for the knowledge, whereas if I have one foot in and one foot out, I can be around those that are making that change, that are that, that are suffering, that are putting their lives on the line, their livelihood on the line, and everything else. But at the same time, I can hit this grind and make a few more dollars, and I can always jump jump back on the black power side. And the reason being is because there's so few of us, and because we're dealing with a, a mass majority of population that doesn't get involved. For what it be, what it be self, uh, uh, you know, self-inflicted ignorance, or pretending to have that self-inflicted ignorance, we we wholeheartedly accept people just from the standpoint of if they willing to listen and partially take pride or take it or take part in it. 
then we'll take them right on in. So from a self-preservation standpoint, I can see why the mass majority of people would be willing to listen to us and and invite us to certain things or be around us at certain times, but at the same time be completely unwilling and refusing to actually take part. They realize what they're going to give up. They're smart enough to know what, what it actually takes to want to be somebody that's about generating solutions versus somebody that's actually just talking about it or reading about it. And so that's a, that's a huge step. And we have to be aware of the fact of, of the huge steps that we're asking people to take. Because it's one thing to just simply get your black history lesson on. It's a whole other thing to talk about rebuilding a, a, a society and a civilization that takes away takes us away from the current power structure and puts us in control of our own. Because we're literally going from being a, a, a slave to an empowered people. I mean, we're going from zero to, zero to 100. That's exactly what we're doing. Because currently our status and our situation is an assimilated people. And we're a second class, third class citizen at this point. The high Hispanic or Mexican. So the deal is, is we're literally asking our people to go from being in a comfort zone of being accepted as somebody that's a second class or somebody that knows they're inferior in the system, but still able to participate in it from somebody that's going to actually have to build and complete their own and market their own way, way of life, without being able to cross back over and jump back over. And so that's what I think is the biggest thing that causes the, uh, the, uh, the reluctance for people to take part in it. Is, is the dedication, the amount of work, and the pain and suffering that you're going to go through. And, I mean, we can, only, we can just simply go back to what we learned through COINTELPRO and any people that's willing to stand up. You can, from that standpoint, you can even take the, the example in the Bible in terms of a Jesus. Anybody that's willing to stand up for a cause is going to be a target and will be prosecuted and killed and destroyed. And only unless and only when this, the, the 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 masses rise up will that will that model change. And so the the few individuals or individual people recognize that. And if they're not willing to sacrifice their life, their livelihood, or their way of life, then they're going to be riding the fence. They're going to be around us, but not a part of us. That's it. Black oh, Absolutely. Oh, like wow, we have another call, sir. Four, that, four, three, that, that's absolutely right. Oh, justice. Yes. Hold on one second, because I want to touch on what War said. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, that's absolutely right. War is absolutely right. That's what we're talking about. The uh, the law of self-preservation. You know, and he hit it dead on the head. People are not going to want to participate in some something just point blank that threatens their livelihood. Especially when they're feeding, this is the way that they feed their children. They're going to be intimidated by that, a little apprehensive, and that's understandable. This is one of the reasons that we, you know, especially us at the People's Black Family Party for self determination, push self determination, because we 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 want to make our struggle relatable and applicable, and so relatable and applicable, the people see that it is imperative for survival that they can't. It's, the black experience and that their investing in the black community is imperative for not just their survival, but the survival of future generations of black boys and girls. But it has to be relatable 
and applicable. And it has to be, when you're talking about a people's movement and a movement for survival, it has to have every component of um, not just covered, but every component of it has to be accepting of the level of commitment that it's at, that our people are willing to put into it. Meaning that you can have the more advanced revolutionaries, those that have been a little more, I don't even say committed, y'all say committed, and have dedicated more even to their, their freedom or their blood, as you can't have them berating or belittling those people that are still taking timid steps because the revolution is a mass movement. And every African here in America, every black man, woman here in America must see them, must see their place. They must feel themselves in that movement for an empowerment and freedom. They have to see the relatability of it, how it fits them, how it addresses them, how it explains them, what changes are going to be made. We can't, you know, just ask somebody to sacrifice for blind faith. But they want to hear not just at least a direction you're going in, but most of the black people I know that are tired of the tyranny, tired of the oppression, want a say in their self-determination. They want a say in the direction that their life is going This is why we call ourselves liberators, freedom fighters. We're fighting the right to have a say in our own determination, in our own destiny. Point number one, 10 point platform program of People's Black Panther Party Self Determination. We want freedom. We want complete and total freedom. And that's what this fight. So the mess, so the job of the revolutionary at times. Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Okay. So the job of the revolutionary is to take that and how do we make that message relatable and applicable to this day and time so the masses of people that may not have that revolutionary political understanding that we have, that may not have that level of commitment that we're putting into it, but start to feel the stirring, start to feel the yearning, start to feel the inklings of in their own right, their own free will, their own uh, self-choice of practicing self-determination and deciding their destiny and their future. We can go to the phone. Okay, Brother Chairman, I want you to elaborate on, uh, you know, uh, making their own choices regarding their freedom because they're not free because one of the people that I was telling you about, that individual, during the Trump campaigning, when things were, were were really hot, this individual took themselves into uh, into a restaurant where there was nothing but um, Trump supporters, and then was utterly appalled when they were heckled out of there because of their skin, because of who mm-hmm. they were. Could you elaborate on that for me? That thinking, Black Power. Black Power. Well, it goes back to one of the lessons that Chief War had given us one time. We're talking about the Trump administration and white supremacy and how um, Trump and a lot of those people, especially the upper echelon, especially those people with uh, wealth and stuff, how they um, practice white supremacy and racism convertly. You know, they practice it on convert level. But what is Trump has done with his inflammatory and his racist speech and stuff has emboldened the white supremacists and the white nationalists and just white people who are downright ideology or political or party or philosophy, any particular white supremacist philosophy, they're just fed up 
what they think are the conditions in America. It has emboldened them. And now those Negroes that thought that they had slipped through the cracks, those Negroes that so thought they had made them believe in the American dream, realizing that realizing that they are two Americas and that because the black experience wasn't as blatant and as direct and put and they weren't confronted with it as openly as they have been in the past or they have been now uh, confronted with it openly, they begin to realize. They begin to realize that. Um, they begin to realize that they are that they are black and that they are two Americas. Now the thing about that is, where do they fit in? With black America. See, now is the time when they really have to do some. But it is it is extremely painful. It is extremely painful to find out that Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> Everything you believed in and hoped in, things you prayed with the absolute and complete truth you're finding out were all just a farce. They were all a ruse. It was a show. And the curtains are up and the lights have come on. And lo and behold, you're the same person you were when the show began. It was just all for your amusement. But now the show is over. Mm. So this this is where you find this is where you find those people and they're torn in between two worlds. Mm. They're torn in between two worlds. And you will still find these people, this is where the revolutionary has to be not just vigilant, but has to be tireless in their effort in pushing a revolutionary solution to the problem and complete change in the system of the problem because these people who rely on the current system to feed them, these people who have become comfortable in the system and have found their place in their system will become reformers. Mm. So the system isn't that bad. Maybe if we just change the law here, change the law. And a lot of times when they're talking about reform and changing these laws, it's for the uppers, for the bourgeoisie elitists or the petty bourgeoisie capitalists or a certain class of black folk. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It's not even for the masses. It's not for the everyday average brother and sister. And this is why we have to make ourselves informed of the laws that they're trying to use to uh, incarcerate us and to outright exterminate and murder us. Right, Paul. Right, bro. So, do we have anybody on our phone line? Yes, we do, sir. We have 404-379. Four four three seven nine. Your mic is open. Power to the people. This is Sister Kimberly, formerly Sister Nandy, because a lot of people keep getting confused about who I am. Let me say this. I've been listening. I totally agree with Brother War. First, we got to stop picking phony bullshit leadership. We got too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Majority of the people that are in leadership and got these organizations that are floating around here now in 2017 are a bunch of bullshitters, a bunch of down-low capitalists, and they're a bunch of manipulators that are pretending to be revolutionary, but they're not doing the job. I hear a lot of the stuff that everybody comes up with with all these solutions. Yes, we can escape being black in America because first, we're not black. We got to start teaching the truth to the people. I speak this every single time I get on the radio. The reason why half of the people that are out here calling themselves so-called black leaders is because they're not telling the truth about all of the things that they're following. The reason why a lot of stuff is not being discussed as well when it comes to 
black leadership, black relationships, or so-called self-sufficiency. Niggas been self-sufficient since we came here. We the ones who built everything. So I think we tired of hearing about self-sufficiency. The point is when we're going to have some unity and all of these indirect people being unprofessional, counterproductive, counterrevolutionary, not doing shit but sitting on their asses, capitalizing on the people just like our enemies. You cannot leave out parts of history. I don't care how much y'all want to make this shit pro-black. We can't just be pro-black. We have to make it make it very understood about how multiculturalism works, what happens with multiculturalism, and how we are to be separated from certain things. I've never seen anywhere where it was totally segregated, because even when you had niggas getting their ass whooped, we had white people with the latches. So with all of that being said, we got some people that will sit right on these phones, talk all of this rhetoric, be redundant, and say the same shit, but they stand with people like Black Lives Matter, a Jew-ran organization, black Muslims when they have killed people like Sam Cooke, and a lot of other people that have been taken out of the game. We can go back to a lot of brothers, um, Joe Tex. We can look at all the things that have been placed in front of us. My question to this, to the people is this. Why are the revolutionary organizations continuing to follow all of these things? Why are they taking all the names and all the slave trades that they already know consist of the things that we are going through today? Why are you all not telling the truth? Because then when we dig deep, we would see some hungry, tom-ass niggas, sambo-ass niggas out here that's not willing to do the work and they're striking for power instead of structure. We can walk away from all of this stuff. We are not slaves. Stop that bullshit. We are volunteer slaves because we got Negroes who feel like they don't want to go back to Africa and swing our fucking trees. But if that's where we're going to have to start from in order to rebuild who we really are, then we need to step up to the plate. We don't have no security. Every organization that I see across the globe right now is weak as fuck. We have had the Ku Klux Klan, we have had the Muslims, we have had the Christians, and a number of other people harassing us, torturing us, manipulating us. But see, if you can't even tell the truth about the fact that there was a cracker that started out in Texas that actually funded the black Muslims, if you don't want to tell the truth about certain things about the black Christians, if you won't want to tell our people about what's really happening about no jurisdiction, because we're supposed to have a law and justice department. So somebody needs to tell the people that their laws don't adhere. We don't have to adhere to their laws. They don't apply to us. We are not teaching the things to keep our people out of the government. So all the organizations right now, if you ask me, are reforming this book. They don't have jurisdiction over us. There is no constitution. All the shit that we talk about is lies. Until you all come forth and stop being so intellectual, trying to sound like a goddamn overdramatic movie and start telling the truth, you will never get real niggas, never ignorant gingos accomplished to join any of this shit. Because you think people are blind. Our people not blind. Oppression not organized right. niggas. Just, H. Rock Brown told us that back in the 60s. So they already see what's going on. It's just sad this. that the leadership, oh, I'm, I'm about to be very brief because I'm, I'm about to say power to the people. Everybody else has been long-winded. Nobody else was disrespected. I just really would appreciate if y'all give me my few minutes because I've been shorter than everybody and I've said a lot. All I'm trying to say is this. Your mouths need to be closer to your ears. 
all this capitalizing, trying to sell shit to people, out here running around trying to keep organizing niggas. Niggas already organized. Step the fuck up and start doing some work. Stop sitting up talking about the same shit every week, and we probably can make some change. People are very educated to what's going on out here. Niggas don't need to tell you we fucked up. We, we don't need y'all to keep telling us we fucked up. But it's sad that our black folk on black people, all y'all ever talk about is the bullshit. Talk about the people that uplifted us. Talk about those warriors. Talk about the sisters and brothers. Y'all don't even explain the names that y'all take on. So a lot of things need to be changed, and we got to start starting with the people that's closest to the people that we're dealing with. Power to the people. Absolutely. Power to the people. We appreciate that call. Absolutely. I mean, I think that part of the history we do, I think going over part of history is necessary. But let me say this. You know we sometimes have our disagreements. Man, that you still talking that long shit, which somebody ain't under the Constitution, which somebody ain't under jurisdiction. When them crackers come, put them handcuffs on your black ass. You going to jail, and you'll be looking for bond money to get the fuck out of jail. So you can save all of that, all of the mores that come with that, and we ain't black and we ain't this. Well, what are we? I don't care what we're calling ourselves as long as what we're calling ourselves is working towards our advancement and independence. Negroes will find more reasons for us to have disagreements about semantics, names, Muslim, Jew, Christian, Moor. When we all, when we're sitting here talking about that black experience, and let me tell you, like I said there again, going about to their laws and stuff, their laws don't mean a damn thing. It's the enforcement of their laws. It's the enforcement of their laws. They do illegal shit every day. You and I have been the victims, victims of illegal moves. So you can get in there and play Johnny Cochran if you want to. They will allow you to win what they feel like is not necessary for them to have to save face for. That's the bottom, that's the bottom line. Nobody is talking about the reason we're going to be redundant is because we're facing the same problems, and that's Negroes judging us from some European standard. And fuck multiculturalism. Fuck it. Fuck multiculturalism. We're too busy trying to show people, the world, that we're not angry and we accept everybody and we kumbaya and we'll hold hands. There is nothing wrong with you and I saying that we must do for self. Hold on on texting me for a minute. Hold on on texting me for a minute because I can't read them. There's nothing wrong with you and I for doing for self. We can play part of this human race. Some chairman God said earlier today when we were talking about the human race, when he said that, yeah, we're part of the human race, but when we look in the mirror, we forget that that face looking back at us, that black face or whatever you're calling yourself looking back at you is a part of that humanity also. There is nothing wrong with saying race first. There is nothing. The reason I don't get into the black Muslim teachings is because this is not a black Muslim show. The black Muslims will deal with that. I don't get into Hebrewisms or Kemeticisms or Dr. Yorkisms or any of the isms because this is not their program. My job is not to refute their ideology. My job is not to talk about their philosophy. My job is to find that common denominator, that thing that us as African people here in America experience together and start to begin and begin to build on that. Some of my show is going to be lost on certain people. If they feel like that is intellectual mumbo jumbo, then this may not be the show for you. It's for those people that understand exactly what the hell I'm talking about, that can see it related and see it practiced in other people. So I'm not coming with a multicultural diverse show. This is not 
the uh, Bubba Baloo hour or the uh, Barney the Bear hour. I'm not about holding hands with those people. I'm not about to sit here and forgive some of the worst crimes in human history perpetrated against us. I'm going to talk about them, talk about them, talk about it, that particular thing, until it begins to stir something in us that says we have to do better, we must do better, our life depends on it. Now, we can come up with a lot of these solutions, and I agree with coming up with a solution that gives us talking points, things to build on. But I do will agree with you when you say that we must get out there and be about it. But like my chief of staff always constantly say, it starts locally. Too many times we're looking for the television or social media to tell us what the hell's going on locally. If a nigga's not, if a brother or sister's not posting it, we don't feel like they're doing nothing. I ain't seen what you've been doing. What you're doing, I ain't seen you. I ain't seen you. Well, you ain't been in my neck of the woods. You haven't talked to the people that I relate to. You haven't gotten to the people that I'm building with and that come and benefit from the programs, and I'm sure that people locally can say this about the programs they're doing. We must stop getting out of looking for the accolades and for the big certificates and for all of these awards and the ticker tape parades. It's about the people we help. Thirdly, when we talk about black leadership, the revolutionary understands that this is a problem, so the revolutionary organization Honestly, the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, we make every member a leader, if we want to use that word. Every revolutionary should be a germ. When you drop that revolutionary off in any neighborhood, it should start to spark revolutionary thoughts, ideas, and practices in the place that you have placed them. I don't care what their so-called rank is. The rank, we call it in the party, position. The position is only to keep the functionality of the party for any revolutionary, whether they were the Black Panther janitor. When you said in my own locale, they should be able to inspire and motivate and spark revolutionary thought and revolutionary action amongst the people. Too many times are we looking for that one dynamic, charismatic black leadership, the next Malcolm, the next Huey, the next, you know, but Huey, Malcolm wasn't Malcolm by himself. Huey wasn't Huey by themselves. They were the people that history chose to pick up on. They used, they, they allowed them to be spokesmen and standpoint and standard bearers for the markings in the history of the black revolution. But they weren't the only black revolutionaries. Those were just focal points. But when we study history, we know that it was the masses, the men and the women, those people that got behind it that propelled and motivated that vision and that movement. It wasn't about that individual. So if a black leader is coming to about their individualism or to get praise and accolades, then you may get out of it what you want out of it. You may get that, but it won't be any more. And we will see you burn out. But for those of us that are always on the brink of burning out, at the time, contemplating and wanting to surrender and give up and just go out here and just do some niggerish stuff, not be responsible and accountable, understand the totality, the entirety of the movement, and understand their place in that movement, and that they must be a particle, they must be a push, they must be a force, they must be a contributing factor to the advancement and liberation of African people. That's each and every individual. Each and every individual is a leader. Each and every individual is a leader. We're not looking for the charismatic leaders. We are about that self-determination. And knowing then the last thing I'm going to have to disagree with you on is saying that the African man and woman here in America is self-sufficient. If the African man and woman here in America were self-sufficient, you wouldn't find the conditions of poverty and lack 
in the black community to the degree that you find it. Even an animal, even an animal whom they say that we rise above an intellect and rationale and all that knows enough to get food and shelter. You have conditions. You're not going to tell me that a creature whom they say is one of the uh, most intelligent beings on the planet Earth can't provide out of their incompetence, incompetence or their lack of senses won't provide for themselves food and shelter. It has to be a system that is causing that type of condition, that type of blight in the black community. I know that black people are not choosing that condition for themselves. And you know that they're not choosing it for themselves. Now, they make bad decisions in an effort to change their conditions because they don't understand what will really change their conditions. They think that if I have the latest shoe, if I have the latest clothes, if I have the latest car, I'll start to feel a sense of self-worth, a sense of acceptance, a sense that I have made it. They don't understand that that is not really the solution to the condition, nor what's causing that condition. The lack of that thing is not causing that condition, but there's a system designed to place you in a certain condition so that you will think and behave in a particular manner. They're not going to tell me that it's not a conspiracy outpost. The statistics bear witness to that. We're in proportionately in prison systems. Like I've even heard you say, don't have a jury of our peers. That's stacked against us. Education is inferior. You're not finished. The foods in our um, communities are inadequate. Lack nutrition. Lack any substance or nutritional value. These so-called grocery stores in our community. So we're being targeted. It, it, we are being targeted. And we're not given the instruments that will help us to become self-sufficient and maintain that self-sufficiency. And I'm not surprised. There are no people that are that build off of your back that are rewarded for your labor, that receive your sweat and the brow, the sweat of your brow, they receive the uh, substance, the fruit of that. They're not going to teach you to be self-sufficient. They don't want you to eat your own fruit. Then that's less fruit for them. So they're not going to give you the instruments and the tools. Like dear brother Malcolm said, if they don't treat you right, what makes you think they're going to teach you right? That's right. Black power. Black power. Black we, have two, we have two, calls, uh, two questions, brother. We have uh, in queue, we have 470-464, and then we have 314-318. Are you ready to take these calls, sir? Yes. 470-464. Black Power, Black Power, what's going on? What's going on now, Chief? What's the business, man? I'm all right, man. You know, I love the topic, man. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, blaming the white man. You know what I'm saying? Because, uh, you know, I just look at it, you know, like this. You know, slavery is embedded so deep. They can see black people moving in the all in the same direction. See what I'm saying? And guess who and guess who's gonna get in your way first? It's gonna be black people. We gotta break this up. They're gonna revert to the actions of the slave master. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I see it every day in here, every day. Every day. 
You know what I'm saying? They 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 sit around these people. You know they they like oh that ain't the enemy. He just looked like him. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. So you know it's, it's crazy. It's, it's embedded so deep that to where it's like it's somebody it's some of their instinct to to do this to do this type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like uh some kind of secret duty, <laughs> you know, and it's uh it, it's sad, man, but you know one thing I can say, you know, we moving. I'm talking about everybody, everybody that's in right now, everybody that's in different chapter of the party, you know what I'm saying? Of course, this chapter, everybody, I'm I'm talking about as a whole, everybody is moving. From, that's just from behind the wall. Everybody's moving in the right direction. It's like a slow storm. We on the way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Keep doing what Absolutely. you're doing. I'm just commenting. You know, I love you. You know what I'm saying? Black power. Love you too, nephew. And I love you too, nephew. Black power. And I appreciate the brothers, man, behind the wall listening. You know, and, 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 and really paying attention. Take heed, man, because it's, it's real. You know, we're going to get you past the empty talk. We're going to get you past the emotionalism. We're going to get you past being all riled up and running in damn circles, fighting a fight. That you ain't, you know, even though you beat that one individual, you ain't struck a blow to the system. So we got to be pointing. Once we know where the, where the, the problem's coming from, you know, it's like having a cancer in your body. You don't want them cutting off organs. You want them to go remove the cancer. So don't just right. cutting. If you got cut right. up to get the cancer, do that. But don't be chopping me up. I appreciate you, nephew. Let's go to um, our other phone line, Justin. Black Power, sir, guys, 314, your, your mic is open. Well, I was going to ask the brother that was doing the talking. Now, I don't agree with your your base point on that slavery is the cause of behavior well, who are and social. Who are we speaking with, sir? Who are you? I'm calling here from the Midwest and St. Louis area. Let's okay. call it yeah. X. <clears throat> okay, brother. Excuse me. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't don't believe in in uh, that premise. <clears throat> if you're going to equate slavery as being a cause, now I could say that the lack of uh, intergenerational wealth being passed down from those who experience slavery, yeah, that there is a good premise. But to say that it affects people uh, social and their behavior today is very far stretch and it's hard to even correlate that because you know all blacks wasn't slave and even today all blacks quote unquote are not the same but you know here's the thing I have seen uh, blacks who have went into areas particularly schools and tried to make changes and come up with programs or a direction in which uh, that school district should go and it's the blacks that run these institutions and also these vanguard organizations that speak out against that. And what are you doing in a case like that? It's nothing you can do. Uh, your politicians, they are against programs or even they are against corporations and businesses sponsoring children to go to schools that the parents want them to go. And they will pay for it. Uh, only to have, if they are allowed to be able to deduct that from their gross income tax. 
Well, your black leadership, I ain't saying yours, but black leadership is against that. So how are we going to blame the white men? White men don't have anything to do with that. Those school districts, those districts themselves, electoral districts, are ran by black faces. I like your comment on that. Yes, sir. And I like, and I think that that's a very intelligent question and a good question. Um, but what I would have to respectfully disagree with you is about slavery and it not having an effect on us. Even those people that weren't in Chattel's slavery were affected by the slave trade because it set up a class system. It set up a chaste system. It said it gave them an opportunity to even build off the exploitation of their own people. See, they begin to, white people have been doing this with indentured servitude. So we begin to practice, we begin to incorporate practices, chattel slavery, dislike of our own people, the dehumanization of a people that look like us, that reflected us, you know, and we begin to assimilate. And since we couldn't assimilate them in appearance, we begin to assimilate them in thought, mannerism, and behavior, sometimes even better than the white men. Sometimes we were more tyrannical in ownership of black people than white people because we couldn't emulate them in appearance. So we had to show them, we had to go above and beyond to show them that we had accepted their way of life, slavery, feudalism, slaveocracy that, that eventually evolved into capitalism. So that's where it affected us. Also in the effect of, so creating that classism and that chastism, also in the effect of that was breaking down the social cultural um, structure of the African family. And when you get a people that you bring to another land and you prohibit them any practice of their place of origin, any type of anything that will get them to remember they are not this nigger, that you are creating. See, they have to do that in order to create a whole different, I'm not going to say species, but subspecies. They took an African, a black man, whatever we were calling ourselves then, whatever tribe, and totally eradicated and uh, wiped that out of their everyday practices and begin them to begin to have us to practice something that was not natural to us. Now, the thing you can do that, you can take that out of the conscious mind. You can take that out of conscious behavior. But the subconscious, the deep psyche of African people, constantly let us know that the way that we're practicing, the things that we're doing are not right for us. Even our body will begin to have telltale signs. We'll suffer from hypertension and high blood pressure and nervous breakdowns and all of it because our body begins to say, hey, what you're doing is not natural. It is not inherent to the African personality type. It is not. You are a black man trying to be everybody else. And you don't and the fact that you don't know who you are adds to the stress of that. And we begin to behave like a people who don't know who they are. And it begins to show in our communities. Now we lock the doors from one another. We don't aid and assist one another. We say, look at that nigga. I don't deal with niggas. Niggas ain't this. Then we become accepting of everybody else. But the white man is cool. This man is cool. And they may be. They may be. But how are they going to be cool to you if you don't know what's cool to you? You don't know who you are. You don't know he's cool. He may be doing what he's doing. You're trying to be cool to get accepted by him. Does he accept you for who you are? That's the test of any friendship. But you first must know who you are. 
I say about, and not to get long-winded on that, the school districts. Now, I said all of that to say that you're dealing with these type of Negroes. You're dealing with Negroes who the system has become their meal ticket. They do not want to change the system because it changes the paycheck. If the curriculum changes, if I have my master's degree in this understanding and that understanding, and you're coming with a whole other curriculum, a whole other way of coming at a whole other format, I am in jeopardy. My, my job, my livelihood is in danger, and that's not advantageous for me. So I'm going to fight it every step of the way. And the fact that I'm black is going to lend a credence to other people's arguments that it's not a race thing. But we're saying that when we say the white man, that is symbolic of a system that it was built and founded on. And this, is, it, this can't be refuted. It's, it's historical. That was built and founded on not just the taking of a land, the genocide of a people that lived here before their immigration or their incursion to this land, but also to the, the, the thievery, the rape, the uh, uh, kidnapping and the torture and the inhumane treatment of an African people in building up this country. This country is steeped in that. The buildings, the land is soaked in the blood and the misery and the pain and the suffrage of those people. There's no way around that. So for us to come and all of a sudden to think that a country that was founded on that, something was founded on that, all of a sudden had this change of heart. Not only is it insulting to the very intellect of African people, but it is a disrespect to the ancestors. It is a disrespect to the people that we come from. So what I would encourage those people is to continue to fight, but it's going to be more than just a fight on changing the curriculum. The fight has to be, it's going to be against those Negroes that are fighting to keep it the same, but at the same time they're fighting for it, using it as educational moments. I don't know if those Negroes will accept it or not. That's on them. But to educate why it is imperative to our continuancy as African people to have an African, to have a curriculum that is enriching and empowering to our children. What, what can I what say, sir? Yes, sir. It's not the curriculum. It's the lack of skills. Now, here's the thing. I hear what you're saying, but the people that you are talking about that's caught up in this, I don't think they have the means and skills in order to change their position. And those who do just don't care. So now, and those that call themselves conscious, I don't see them doing it either. So what, how do you get out, how do these people get out of this dilemma? Well, it, it starts, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me clearly? Sure. Justice, can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can hear you. Hello. Yeah, we can hear you. I can hear you very well. Can you hear me? Yes. Well, once again, we must be experiencing a little technical difficulties, but um, uh, uh, Brother Chairman, are you there? This is Justice's War. Is my line open? Yeah, we can hear you. Ward. Okay, let me let, let me address address this a little bit while Chairman is uh on it, trying to get deal with this technical difficulty. 
part of the thing that we have to keep in mind is that, especially the way things are trending right now with the, with, with the status of the government, is that whether we like it or not, we're going to end up finding ourselves forced right, Tyler, in a position. Right, we having a little technical uh, difficulty. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, – we have about 15 minutes left. What I'm going to do is I'm going to um, mess with some of these logistics. I'm going to give you a tiny bit of music, and I'll be right back with y'all. Black Power? Black Power. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body this hood, politics, acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee, I duck. Could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst. A fiend drops a Heineken. Ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rat to the death of it. To everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown. Hood rats, don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick of kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die. Black power, black power. Sorry about that. So many difficulties. <clears throat> um, to 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 go in back and address the end of if I caught the brother's question about those people who don't have the means or the wherewithal to to change their condition. <clears throat> it's it's something nationalism. It's as simple as this, starting out, accountable spending. You know, it's something as simple as being mindful where you spend your black dollar. Even if we haven't arrived at the point where we're spending our dollars with one another, which we should, just being mindful who you spend your dollar with. We live our lives haphazardly. We live our lives like there is no obligation or commitment to one another, and black nationalism is simply saying one of the tenements or components of black nationalism is saying that I pledge that I will have a responsibility and accountability to the race to which I belong. It doesn't mean a certain black individual, a specific African individual, but to the race in which I belong. But can we address that real quick? Yeah. You're saying that th- this group, this segment in the population of blacks, they're supposed to spend their money more wisely. Well, they, they're they spending their money how it comes. Blacks do not manufacture and produce. If they open up a retail spot, more than likely, they buy wholesale from Asians. And Asians are not going to afford you family prices to compete against their cousins that's already selling to you retail so this group don't have the skills the capability or the resources to manufacture and produce what you're talking about those things that they need for sustenance 
They don't produce food. They don't produce clothes. Mm-hmm. Right? So right. Th- th- what you're saying is just, in reality, impossible. It's no, not no, feasible. No, 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 no. Never that. Never that. If, never if that. It, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on real quick. Okay. Okay. You, it's not feasible. I live in a city a nearby well, blacks don't control no grocery stores. Okay. They don't grow food. They don't process food. Me, so you're saying that these people are supposed to, this group is supposed to spend money with blacks. That's literally impossible. They can spend you, about six cents out of each dollar. Let, let, let me explain it. You didn't hear, you didn't hear, listen to this, the answer. I mm-hmm. said accountable spending. Though you may not be at the point where you're buying black, accountable spending. It isn't about buying black. Who are they spending that dollar with? Does this company sponsor atrocities in Africa? Does this company lend campaign money to people who put laws on the books that are specifically targeting black people? You will never find a Jew spending a dollar with anyone that sponsored Nazi Germany. Even if you're not spending black, you go to the lesser of two evils. We don't do any accountable spending. We just spend. You got people that are not going to spend. You got certain ethnicities that are not going to spend. The 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 the, the, the Mexican or whoever people, the Chinese, are not going to go spend with people that are Chinese nationalism or the enemies of China. We're not you and I. We don't care. It ain't about right now. You're right. We're not. We don't produce or manufacture. I I love the retail places. That's the start. And eventually, prayerfully, we'll get to production and manufacturing. But until then, in the meantime, in between time, be accountable with the dollar we spend now. Why do we got to have every damn thing? Some things you may not, you have to, you may miss. That may not be the 56-inch screen. It may only be the 40 or the 30. If that company supports atrocities to Africa or if they back politicians who willfully and intentionally make policies and laws that target black people. This well, is how, is P- how is Pookie, and I'm just using this as, you know, popular term, I'm, 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 how is Pookie and Ray Ray supposed to find that information out? Oh, on, I mean, brother, people me, can't even on, find brother. out who Trump is. Let me finish that thing. The first thing we mm-hmm. have to learn is the, our consumer power. But this is what the revolutionary does. I understand, brother, you may not at this particular point, and I'm hoping you come on over, be part of a revolutionary collective. But the revolutionary in your locale, if you have one, his job is, this is the hard part of it. This is why not everybody's revolutionary. It's to disseminate that information, to begin to try to find people that might practically be interested in that information, to find ways to interest the people in that particular type of information. And it's not an easy job. If it was, we would already be in better circumstances and situations. But this is the job and the role that the revolutionary has pledged to take on that I will not stop until my people, at the very least, are informed. So this is what that's about. So if you get a group, if you got an economic investment group, you know, and these business people get together, that's where I would start. At our business meetings with the little people that are about economics, when we have our classes, we're teaching just about accountable spending. Just being accountable. It ain't even about black businesses at this point. If we have black business owners, we'll have a class with that and we'll discuss that. But right now, it's about brothers and sisters just being accountable, just to understand. Well, I can see see that that if you've got uh, some outside 
uh, programs that's going on that's designed to identify who you have identified as doing uh, something along the lines of what you were just saying. And I can see that they're being useful. And uh, I'd be interested to see how it works out overall. That's that's good. One of the things we want to start doing is putting together an email. Like, like our chief of staff, War, said, everybody is not ready to commit to certain levels. But anybody that wants to be informed, we want to inform. I'm working on putting together an email list so that we can get a uh, email newsletter together that puts out this information for people who want it and are just aware. I believe in informed people make informed decisions. And that way with the people say, you know, hey, whether or not we're going to shop where we want to shop, then that's on them. We're freedom fighters. That's what it's all about. It is the freedom for people to have the right to make self-determination, to be self-determined as people, and to make destiny choices or life choices for themselves. You know? Well, I... I, uh, I yeah, okay. Well, I see what you're saying now, and I think that uh, that makes some sense. But anyway, I'm sorry that taking up so much of your time. I'll let you get back to your no, program. Brother, you, listen, man, listen. Your call is welcome. This is our program. This is the time. There will never be a time that we have, and this is for all the listeners, to be able to engage in a dialogue and an exchange of ideas. And because it's all really for the same purpose and the concerns, I love them because they are that. They're concerned for people. How do you do that? Is that realistic? And this is how we should be questioning any people that present something to us. Is that realistic? Is that feasible? Here's why I see that that won't work. And let me throw some out there. You throw some back, and at the end of the day, I may be like, man, you're absolutely right. What can we do? It's about communalism. It's about us sticking together. Seven more minutes. Check the car. You got to come in here. We're on the charger. I got seven more minutes. Justice, what was our phone line looking like? Our phone line is uh, folks are just listening. However, I would like for Brother War or on behalf of the brother that just asked for information to give out email. We'll give him a chance to get a pen. We'll give him our email, and that way he'll have our email to be able to send his email, and we will definitely give him information. Black Power. Black Power. All right, our email address is peoplesblackpantherparty at gmail.com. That's peoples with an S, blackpantherparty at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you very much. Black power. Go ahead, sir. You have uh, six minutes. Okay, so you know we talked. The brother raised some valid concerns, and this is what this is all about: us practicing self determination, us making this applicable and realistic and practical to the everyday masses of people, so that we will begin to embark upon that mode of self sufficiency, information being informed, and when the information comes, actually being willing. See, this is the hardest thing. I think that this is, to me, in my opinion, of course, one of the hardest things that I've run across in dealing with our people is the apathy, is the disassociation from their own destiny, from wanting to be involved and be a part of what it really takes for us to be empowered. It is so much easier to get off in our books than to get off on YouTube. of <laughs> Pre-colonized Africa and before slavery and after slavery and what we're doing now, because when you take in the historical context, when you take in the material dialectic, when all of these, then you realize not just 
we will place through, but the work that is ahead of us. And I think that that's one of the biggest things. When we're looking at the work that is ahead of us, it can be it can be very frightening because it's huge. But this is just the first step to it, recognizing in yourself that your thought pattern, that your behavior pattern may not be whole. It may not be a natural thought pattern. It may not be an instinctive behavior. You have been conditioned. It has become habitual because you've been conditioned to do this and you begin to react in that manner. But once you realize that this is not natural, this is not innate in us as an African people or people of African descent, then you begin to be able to check that. You can catch it. And then we can evolve from there. But in everything, even the thing down to I'm eating, when I eat this food, does it harm my body? Is something that's beneficial to me. It is something that will be beneficial to the general masses of people, not to, to first and foremost the people that I belong and then to humanity. We must judge in those perspectives. Yeah, we've been through hardships, we've been through trials, but there have been people that have shown us that they have taken the way of their oppressor and they've used it to, I don't want to say their benefit, but they've adapted to it and have made it their own and use it in a People, look at the Hispanic people, the Latino, we like to call them. The Spaniards came and conquered, and they still find some way to use that, use Spanish and use some of the conquistadors' ways as a galvanizing, unifying factor. We look at Trump and the deal that Obama passed to allow in this country, in this country, Immigrants, illegal criminal immigrants coming over here have the nerve to be calling somebody illegal aliens and kicking them out. It's the that. And they kick people out of the land. That so you break it up. You break it up, sir. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Okay. So we just say that. So I say with that. I'm going to close and I'm going to end. Ah, you're breaking up. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Well, listen, I'm going to close it out. I'm going to close it out. I wish you all powers to oppress people, to an African people. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body. This hood politics acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One 
need I duck Could it be my time is up With my luck I got up The cops shot again Bust stop glass burst A fiend drops his Heineken Ricochet in between The spots that I'm hiding in Blacking out I shoot back Fuck getting hit This is my hood I'm a rat To the death of it To everybody come on Little niggas is grown Hood rats Don't abortion your wound We need more warriors soon Shit from the stars Sun and the moon And it's like a police chase street sweepers and coppers Sick of kids with no conscience Leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die When nine's out This is what nine's about Nigga, the time is now All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. That's all I need. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. Yeah. All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six winners to you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing is fair. Niggas roll up. Shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing. Tasting revenge in the air. I let this shit slide for too many years. Too many times now. I'm strapped with a couple of max. Too many nines. If y'all niggas really with me, get busy. Load up the semis. Do more than just hold it, explode. 